physical Bibles, pull them out, please. If you have your app, your iPad, whatever else you're using, I need you to take the little ribbon thing that you have out of James and put it over in the book of John. All right? Go to your app, pull up the book of John. We're going to be hanging out there for who knows, three, five months, years, whatever. I'm letting God decide that, not me. Um, but as we begin, and we're going to do a lot of base building, foundation building, um, overview, introduction stuff this morning, but we're going to get to the word believe. And there's a lot of crazy things that people believe, right? I mean, we could take a poll now. Uh, there are some things that, that you're like, wait, you believe in that? Like, seriously? Um, way back in the day... In 1829, the first locomotive that hit 28 miles an hour was built and ready to run. And people were freaking out. You know why? Because they were worried the human body couldn't handle the G-forces of 28 miles an hour. All right? Now, I've even gotten close to that on my bike. Um, Not by leg power, all downhill. So, obviously, that was proved wrong. You know, people can handle that. I don't even know what the true g-force of a human body that we could handle but but obviously that was proven wrong also back in the day they believed if you sneezed your soul would come out of your body now i've sneezed pretty bad and i've seen some very violent sneezes but your soul's not going to come out of your body which by the way that's why you say bless you the lord bless you because to keep that your soul in your body um, so we believe that, obviously, we, our souls don't leave our bodies when we sneeze. Here's the other thing that I know you're going to use against your parents, your spouse, whatever. So parents, I apologize if this is what is for lunch. But in medieval Great Britain, they believed that demons, little tiny demons, were hiding in Brussels sprouts. <laughs> now, I attested that as a child. Absolutely. Now, I love a good... A good roasted Brussels sprout now, but it was to the point that they would they would cut a a cross with a knife before they cooked it to make sure that all the demons were taken care of. Um, obviously, no little tiny de- well, in some kids' minds, there are tiny demons in Brussels sprouts, but but obviously those were disproven. Those are things that weren't people believed, and then they were proved otherwise. I have a number of things that I believe that I guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt happen, all right? The first is I'm going to be paying taxes the rest of my life, okay? My consistency of being in, in, a, in employment, paying taxes, I believe that, that we're going to be paying taxes, right? Forever. I believe that the sun will rise. There has never been a day in my life that the sun has not risen or gone back down, right? Has anyone else experienced the sun not rising? I mean, yeah, talk to me after if you have. But so I believe the sun's going to rise tomorrow morning. Like, it's consistent. There's consistency in that, right? The next one is, I believe that love is real. I believe that because of my wife, Carrie. All right? 31 years of marriage. Now, our marriage isn't perfect. She's perfect. (laughs) But... Our marriage isn't perfect, but I have seen over and over love proven itself through our marriage because of the consistency. I believe in real love uh, because I've experienced. Most important is that I believe that Jesus loves me. I know it for a fact. 
I've read it. I've prayed it. I've experienced it. And he continues to love me, and I continue to believe more and more how much Jesus loves me. Why? Because there's consistency. Uh, there's, there's evidence. There's proof in my own personal life, in the life of our church, in the life of friends, in the life of the work of the church around the world. Jesus loves me, loves you, loves everyone. So there's, I believe in that. John's purpose of this book is the word believe, to take Christ Jesus as the Son of God and show us who Jesus is for us to believe in him. Turn with me. We're not going to start in chapter 1. We will get there today, but we won't dive in yet. Turn with me to John chapter 20 and look at verses 30 to 31. Here is John's major theme throughout the book is this this word believe. And in fact, my Bible says right here, the purpose of this book, verse 30 in chapter 20, says this. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So that's the whole purpose. So we kind of start here so that when we dive in, hopefully next week, um, we know where John's leading us. We, we know the direction that, that this book, the Gospel of John, is going to take us. And that is to believe, to truly believe in a radical way that is life-changing and faith-changing and has eternal consequences for us. And that is to believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, and in his name alone we have salvation and we have eternal life. <clears throat> now, John is different than the other Gospels. John's one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The other three are synoptic Gospels uh, because they kind of have a, a, similar, uh, a similar thread and storyline. They have similar stories uh, that you can kind of cross-reference between the three. They're, they come at different angles but they are basically set up the same. John is completely different. In fact, more than 90% of John is original compared to the other three uh, synoptic gospels in this picture of Jesus. And John doesn't record the birth of Jesus as we will look in chapter one. He doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. He doesn't record the baptism of Jesus or his transfiguration. He doesn't, it doesn't contain any parables. In the book of John, <clears throat> it doesn't record the Last Supper in the upper room or the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane. It doesn't record the ascension of Jesus. Now, that's not saying that John doesn't think all those things are important. It's because John, as being written last of the four, knew that those things were already being recorded. And John really wanted to give us a picture in, on the identity of Christ Jesus and who he is as God and the Son of God. So who wrote it? I keep saying John. It's the book of John. The book actually doesn't say John wrote the book of John. Uh, He's not mentioned in there. There are some clues throughout the book, um, and church history shows that this is John, the son of Zebedee, and John, the disciple. Here is someone, as we will look through the book, who had close proximity to Christ, close proximity to the disciples to, to be able to testify and to witness to the things of Jesus. He's one of the sons of thunder, his brother James being the other, 
not James, the brother of Jesus, that we went through. But, but James and John were the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. Some clues throughout the book, actually John 21, 20, and a couple other places in the book of John, talk about the author of the book being the disciple whom Jesus loved as a witness and writer of this gospel of John. Uh, so we know that it was someone in close proximity to Jesus. Uh, he was among Jesus, uh, or those Jesus appeared to at the Sea of Galilee after their night of fishing that just went kaput. Uh, and so Jesus appeared. There's that story. This disciple was a particular friend of Peter. And even chapter, there's stories with the two of them at uh, the resurrection and also identifies him as one, the one that Jesus committed his mother to on, when he was on the cross. So John is very close to all of these stories and all of what Christ did on earth and, these, and this testimony that he has. Undoubtedly, he belonged to the 12 and was a member of this inner circle. So we have an eyewitness of someone who got to experience the ministry and work of Jesus and recorded these for us. And this made him very familiar with the disciples and people around Jesus. Turn with me now to the end of the book, John chapter 21, and let me read to you the last two verses. So John kind of again talks to us, kind of looks at us and says, here's, here's some more of where I'm coming from as you, as you read through the book of John. So John 21, verses 24 and 25 says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So John's got full access to, I mean, libraries upon libraries that the world can even handle of things that he could write about Jesus. So this is the book that we get to go through and that we get to experience <clears throat> and to understand that even the slightest details. So here's someone right there. It's the feeding of the 5,000 uh, with the bread and the fish. John mentions barley bread. Like he's right there handling the bread and realizing it's, it's barley. He describes the fragrance of the ointment that Mary poured on Jesus. He's right there. And we get his testimony and his, his view of the, the life of Jesus and him always pointing us to who Jesus is and his identity. <clears throat> so John had a lot of stories, so many that, that books couldn't handle all these stories, but John was very intentional in picking certain stories. And as we look through the book of John, there are seven miracles that he brings up. Now, these don't include Christ rising from the, the dead, which alone is, is the story um, nor of the, the, the fishing story at the end of, of chapter, or in chapter 21, uh, when the miracle of the, of the fish. Minus those, there are seven miracles that, that John goes through. In fact, he doesn't even call them miracles. He calls them signs. Uh, because miracles, we can be wowed by a miracle, right? We see something amazing that God has done, and yes, God did that, Praise and honor and glory go to, to Jesus for that miracle. John uses them as signs, because what do signs do? As we're driving down the road, we see a sign. It's going to lead us to a, a farther destination. 
Uh, and John is, is chock full of his entire book <clears throat> of saying something and giving us this symbolic language that actually there is more to that. There is a deeper meaning to what I'm saying, a sign kind of leading us into a deeper understanding and identity of who, Je- who Jesus is. <clears throat> and out of these seven, or out of the stories that John shared, here are the seven signs that we will be talking about. The changing of water into wine, the healing the nobleman's son, healing the lame man by the pool of Bethesda, feeding of the 5,000, walking on water, <clears throat> healing a man born blind, and raising Lazarus from the dead. And so these stories are going to have a deeper meaning of who Jesus is. Here's a quick example. The feeding of the 5,000, all right? The five loaves and two fish that Jesus did miraculously to feed the crowd that was there. As we look in chapter 6 of John, not eight verses later, he goes into the bread of life. And then deeper in that passage, he says, I am the bread of life. So he's taken, John has taken this picture of of feeding the bread because people are hungry to explaining the bread of life that we need Christ Jesus and for Christ himself to claim, I am the bread of life. Uh, that that all of that is is who I am, and this this hunger that you have, I will quench, and I will take care of any hunger that you have in your life or thirst. So then we get throughout the book of John these seven I am statements. So Jesus said, "I am the bread of life." We get to also, and this is John pointing us to who Jesus is. Here are the other I am statements: I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Now, if you've grown up in church, these are familiar stories. These are familiar images of who Jesus is. <clears throat> and John's like, these are important. These, these mean something very significant to who Jesus is and our belief in him and our putting our faith in him. So all throughout John, and I love that we could read the book of John every year, the rest of our life, and we will pick up different things each time. Actually, all of Scripture is like that. Do you understand that? The, the Word of God is, is alive and well. It is God-breathed. It is a, a book that we can go back to stories that we had as a child in Sunday school, reread them in our life now, in our situations now, And it's going to be something different because the Holy Spirit is always at work helping us to understand and seeing Jesus throughout Scripture and seeing God the Father work in this relationship. So even as we look at John, as we're going through, some of you might sit there and think of something totally different than what is being preached because because there is so much depth to the book of John. Here's some words and some major themes that we're going to see throughout John. All right, one is word, the word word, which is logos, and we're going to see that that represents Christ, uh, that Jesus is the word. Uh, And throughout the whole book, John, its eyes focus on Jesus. Remember, we talked about that in James, keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. All throughout the book of John is keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. Forty-five times the word word is used, or logos. And then the word life, that Jesus is life and the true life, 
there are 47 times that John uses the, the word light. And we're going to see that theme throughout all of that. Light and darkness. There are 31 times that John uses light and darkness. Jesus is the light. Okay, darkness cannot overcome him. That theme is, goes throughout. Uh, world is used 78 times. Here's what John wants us to get, is that Jesus is God. Jesus came down to earth, to the world, and it's going to be this interaction with, with God as Christ in the world. And sometimes there's a lot of headbutting that goes on. Uh, because of sin, because of, uh, of our, our life situation, when a holy God incarnate in Christ Jesus comes into a sinful world, it's not going to be all peachy king the whole time, is it? Uh, and so John's going to take us through that. That's 78 times the relationship between mankind and Jesus. And then witness. 14 times John uses the noun witness to be a witness, and then 33 times as a verb to go and witness. And we've talked about this with James. If, if Christ has changed your life in your faith, in your believing in him, our lives are going to be different, and our witness is going to be different, and the things that we see are going to be different. And then the word believe that we started off with, over 100 times the word believe is used throughout the book of John. The, the most common and famous is John 3.16, which says what? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish. All right? So here's a key word throughout, Jane, or throughout John that we need to understand this word believe. Now, let me give you this list again while you're turning now to John chapter 1. So go back to John chapter 1. Here are these words, these key themes. <clears throat> and what, the first is word, then life, light and darkness, the world, witness, and believe. Okay? Read with me now, because chapter 1 of John is this prologue. John's kind of setting the stage, this lobby for us to enter before we really get into the meat of things. And he gives us kind of, kind of this broad stroke of where he's going and puts a lot of these themes and words throughout or in chapter 1 that are going to happen throughout the rest of the book. Okay, So read with me John 1, verses 1 through 9, and, and let's see what happens. In the beginning was the Word, so there's Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. There's life. And the life was the light of men. Uh, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has now overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. Okay, there's our witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. There's our word, believe. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. There's our six. And many more themes, by the way. These are just some highlights. Um, so John is setting us up in chapter 1 to go throughout the rest of the book and see all eyes focus on Jesus and who he is. And why did John write this book? He told us at the end of chapter 20, right? 
for all of us to believe, for all of us to understand who Jesus is, not in generalities, but in specific true content, uh, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, so that we will have eternal life and all that he is, and even just in the simple power of his name. Uh, and that's the focus of John. So let's hang out on the word believe for a minute. Uh, for John, faith must have content that is true. You can't believe something that's not true. We, we, our, all of my silly illustrations, you can't believe you know, that a G-force at 28 miles an hour is going to kill you if it's not been proven. Uh, and James, John is going to, I've got to get out of that, right? John is going to show us over and over and over evidence and all of that who Jesus is as the Son of God. And to believe in Jesus is to trust him as our Savior and Lord. And as we look, we've talked a lot about believe. And is there a difference between faith and believe? Okay, we talked about faith forever with James, but they are completely interchangeable as we look through uh, Scripture. And in fact, just in English is, is the difference between faith and believe. Now, in America, or English language, faith has a little bit deeper meaning, doesn't it, than just believe? Because you could have a belief, but until you act on it in faith, do you actually truly believe it? Um, but these are, these are interchangeable, and actually James was chock full of faith, right? The book of John does not have in English the word faith. It is all about believe. And so here's this picture of taking a statement. Okay, you can have a statement of belief. You can say that you believe something, but unless you actually act on it, and, and believe, by the way, is a verb throughout John. Until you act on it, which sounds similar to James saying, be doers of the word, until you act on that belief and believe and it has changed your life, then you are just making a statement. And... Uh, David and I were talking, and he, came, he showed me a quote uh, that gives us a, a good picture. It says, statement of belief, so if you have statement of belief, plus actual practice equals actual belief. So you can say you believe something, but until you act on it and, and live through it, and there's action to that belief, then it's just a belief. Otherwise, then, as you act through it, it's actual belief. Do we actually believe that Jesus is Christ and the Son of God? So the statement of belief and moving into believing is part of our journey in our faith, part of, part of our being sanctified and living out our, our life and belief in who Jesus is throughout the rest of our life. Let me give you a fun story, and I've used this before, and I love this picture because I'm not about to do it, but let me set you up. Um, back in 1859, there was a man, a French tightrope walker named Charles Blondin. Okay, he did this amazing uh, tightrope walk across Niagara Falls, and he was amazing. Like, the crowd was there, and he had the big rod, stick. I don't remember. I should have looked it up in between services. I couldn't remember what it was. The balance thingamajigger, Right? He's walking across the tightrope. Everyone's amazed because, I mean, I would be terrified just doing that. Then he's going backwards. He's adding a moonwalk, whatever, you know, dance moves across the thing. Then he's doing it on a unicycle. Like, he can't fall. Like, the crowd is simply amazed. 
and they're yelling, we believe, we believe, and he keeps challenging himself, knowing really he could probably do it. <clears throat> so one of the last times he gets a wheelbarrow, throws it, or fills it up with potatoes, and, you know, trots across the tightrope. Everyone's like, yeah, you got this, we believe, we believe. So he gets to the other side, and he turns to them and says, really, you believe? He goes, who's going to jump in a wheelbarrow and let me take you across? Not, I'm not doing it. Like, no. But here's this picture of a statement of belief. Yeah, I believe you can do that. But then are you actually going to do it? Here's our faith in Jesus Christ. It is so easy to sit in this room, sit in a Bible study, be off the camp. Oh, I believe in Jesus. You know, he's the son of God. He saved my sins. I, you know, I, I, I believe. Okay, then show me. And that's what John wants to help us to do, is for us to take this statement of belief, all right, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, then show me your faith. Show me in your belief who Jesus Christ really is. And that's my challenge as we go through this, my challenge for all of us to continue on this faith growth process, right? I was trying to come up with a cool believe something. It might come, right? But here we are in this, in this growth of our faith, in this growth and depth of our believing. And it's not just us. Here are the disciples who got to live life with Jesus that were continuing to grow and their believing and their, their belief got deeper and deeper. Turn with me to John chapter 1. Or I can just read these to you. John chapter 1, verse 49 and 50. Here is where Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel. Okay, because if you look at Scripture, the disciples, when they said yes to Jesus, I'll be your disciple, I'll follow you, they're believing in Jesus, right? And so here's a picture of Nathaniel and Philip. And 49 and 50 says, Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, that's a, that's a statement of belief, right? A statement of faith. So Nathaniel's all in. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. I'm about to get to this. Because, yes, there's a statement of belief. There's a movement into this believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior. But Jesus is like, you will see greater things than this. Okay, then you jump to chapter 2, verse 11. This is the end of the wedding at Cana. The first miracle has happened. The disciples are there. They, they witness what happened. And look at what, what verse says. What verse 11 says, This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, wait a second. The disciples believed already. Why does it say they believed in him? Because now their belief, their faith is richer and deeper because now they've seen Jesus at action, uh, or Jesus in action and Jesus proving himself who he is. And then we go to the end of chapter, or in chapter 20, because we have all these disciples hanging out with Jesus. And this is actually John, who's written a book that isn't named, but John chapter 20, verse 8 says this, and actually I'll, I'll go back up to six. Okay, this is after the resurrection. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. 
he saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying where the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, and this is John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. He saw and believed. No, hold on a second. John's like chock full of his belief in Jesus throughout the whole book. So why, again, it's again this deeper, rich relationship of who Jesus is. Can I tell you that we can be a Christian for a thousand years? We can dig into the word, get into his word every day for hours upon hours upon hours and live this life completely sold out to Jesus and we will still not even get a glimpse of really who Jesus, the Son of God, Christ our Messiah is or who God is, the Father, or who the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the beautiful thing of being a Christian. We can never get too much. There's a quote from a New Testament scholar named Leon Morris that described the Gospel of John like this. It is, like, it is being like a pool that is so shallow a child can wade in it and so deep that an elephant can swim in it. Because when we lead someone to Christ, what's one of the first books that we recommend? We don't usually send them to Genesis, right? Send them to the book of John. Because the simplicity of the gospel is in the book of John. And then you have the, the rich depth of our theology, of our search after who Jesus is in the book of John. We will never touch the depth of that. That won't happen until we are face-to-face with God. But here we are in this journey that oh, pastor's going through John, Pastor Wayne did it a decade ago, like I've read, I know John 3, 6. No, again, you're, I promise you you're going to get something different. You're going to get something greater. You're going to get a huge picture of Jesus as we go through this. You can read it every day for however months it takes for me to get through the book of John. Every day I challenge you to read through the book. Now, if you have time. But every single time, there's going to be something more because that's who God is. That's who we have a relationship with it. It's not just checking off a checklist of discovering and, and making a statement of belief, right? It's living it out. And we all have this journey, this amazing journey that we get to, to go through together. So I'm excited. I hope you're excited. I'm ready to get my toes wet next week as we kind of dip our toes into the pool and, and start our journey together. Um, so please pray with me as we close this time together and let us continue to understand as much, maybe a little bit more today than we did yesterday and hopefully a lot more in the coming days, weeks, and months of who Jesus is, our Savior, our God, and the life that we have is in him. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for this morning that as we enter into this book uh, of John into Scripture, that you just open our eyes, open our hearts to uh, this message that you have. Father, we can never get too much, and sometimes we think we have it. We we can put our faith on cruise control, and yes, my belief statements are in check. It's so much more than that, and help us to challenge each other with that. Challenge our hearts and our minds to seek after you. Uh, to, to go deeper and to discover who truly Jesus is in our life, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit as we are drawn 
closer into this relationship and fellowship with you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.